Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Exodus how there was a Pharaoh that knew the God of Joseph and a Pharaoh who didn't know the God of Joseph. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Hi, I'd like to welcome you again to another study in the book of Exodus. Thank you for joining. Now, just before we start, let's take a few moments to look to God in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for the fact that you are a teacher. Lord, we thank you so much that as a teacher, you've called us into your schoolroom. Your schoolroom, Lord, not only to learn as we study here in the Bible, but also to learn in the schoolroom of our lives. And so, Lord, we willingly give ourselves to you today to teach us. Open our hearts, Lord, open our minds as we open your Bible. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you follow along as I read in Exodus chapter 1, and I'll start in verse 8. Now, there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Actually, I think I'll start in verse 7. And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty, and the land was filled with them. Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he said unto his people, Behold, the people of the children of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, or come on, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply and it come to pass that when there falleth out any war, they join also unto our enemies and fight against us and so get them up out of the land. Therefore, they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens, and they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew, and they were grieved because of the children of Israel. And the Egyptians made the children of Israel to serve with rigor, and they made their lives bitter with hard bondage and mortar and in brick, and in all manner of service in the field, all their service wherein they made them serve was with rigor. And the king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Egyptian women and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then you shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. We're just going to stop there. Now, in our study, in our last study in, in uh, this great book of Exodus, we looked in particular how under the leadership of Joseph the Hebrew, that Egypt had reached its highest place. It reached its highest pinnacle in the history of this nation because that was the time when many, many Egyptian people worshipped Jehovah Jesus. And as, they, as we saw that, as we looked carefully into the marvelous statement by the Egyptian steward of Joseph's house. And what he said gave us an insight, not only into the faith of this Egyptian man, but it gave us an insight into the tremendous influence, the tremendous treasure that Joseph brought with him when he as a slave was sold into the hand of the Midianites, who then transferred him into Egypt, and he brought the greatest treasure ever 
to the land of Egypt. And this man did this, Joseph the Hebrew. And he was, as we have seen in the history, found as a prisoner. And this was all explained in the book of Genesis during this time this of Egypt's greatest history, the pinnacle in their history. It was expunged, and we looked at that yesterday, and that was because of wrong decisions on the part of leaders after the great Pharaoh that Joseph stood before. We saw how here in our passage in Exodus 1 that a new king arose. It says, a new king arose, and he was a traitor to the Egyptian people because he willfully knew not Joseph. You see, that's the part in this verse that's not there. It says he knew not Joseph, but really, in reality, it was a case where he willfully knew not Joseph, which meant that he willfully knew not the God of Joseph that had blessed so greatly the land of Egypt. And this man turned himself and led his people to willfully know not Jehovah Jesus. And furthermore, he decided to turn his hand against the people of Joseph, the Jewish people. Now, this brings us to verse 9. This is now, as we come to verse 9, we have here the text of the speech that the Egyptian king made to the Egyptian people. This is a terrible speech that he made. He would have been a good king. He could have been a good king. He should have been a good king if he had put himself among the ten people that were spoken of in Zechariah 8.23. And this is what Zechariah 8.23 says. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, in those days, this is a coming future day, in those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. Now, let's just take a break from what this new king actually did. And let's just, in our break, let's just imagine. Let's just let our mind sort of go in a direction that really didn't happen. But let's just for a moment imagine how good it could have been. If this new king lined up with those 10 men that we've just read about in Zechariah 8.23, if this new king actually brought his country back to God, and I say back to God because there was a former pharaoh before him that brought his country to God, but what would it have been like if this new king, this new pharaoh, would have made this kind of a speech, and we didn't have the speech that we have here in Exodus 1, what would it have been like if instead of the speech that he did make in Exodus 1, that he had a speech like this, where he stood up in front of his people, and with courage, he said to them, my people, let's all take the skirt of him that is a Jew. Let's all say to them, Let's all say to the Jewish people that we will be taught of you because we've heard that God is with you. Now, wouldn't that have been great if this king, this new king, had become 
one of the ten of Zechariah 23, if this new king only would have understood that his people, the Egyptian people, had one great need. And it was not for a new mass of sphinx. It was not for a new pyramid. It was not to promote himself a god to them. That was not their need. The Egyptian people, like all people, had one need. And that need was for God. If this new king that arose up here, if he'd only been wise to understand that his people needed God and they needed to become friends with God, if he just knew that, if he just would have understood that, if he just would have understood the greatest need of my people is that individually, My people need to have their sins forgiven. I will get my sins forgiven through the God of the Jewish people. And in so doing that, I will not only tell them, but I'll show them by my example of what it means to have sins forgiven by the God of the people who are guests in our country. If he only would have understood that the greatest need for his people, the Egyptian people, was for them to become sons of God by receiving the only true and living God, Jehovah, Jesus, and that he was among the people in his country, the people of Joseph. If that new king was only smart, he would have explained to his people that they were so fortunate and that they had a marvelous opportunity because they had the people of the God, the only God of the whole universe there in their land with them. And God himself was among his people. If he only would have understood this, everything could have been so much different. We're going to read as we study here in the book of Exodus, as we look and we carefully examine We're going to look at the destruction of the greatest country in the world at that time, Egypt. And the greatest destruction was the greatest tragedy and the greatest catastrophe because it was so unnecessary. It didn't have to happen. And it was all happened. It all happened because of this one man, because of his wrong leadership, because he misled his people. And that's what we're seeing begin to develop here in Exodus chapter 1, if he was only smart. Now, does that sound unbelievable to you? Does that sound incredible? I mean, do you want to say, oh, come on, Tom, this is an Egyptian king. He's a polytheist. That's what Egyptians are. They're polytheists. I mean, he couldn't come to the Jewish God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's over the top. If you're thinking that, then just remember there was another pharaoh. Don't just think of the movies of Ben-Hur and the Ten Commandments and Charlton Heston and the Egyptian pharaohs and the picture that Hollywood has painted and that as you look at them, you'd say, no way that they're going to ever worship the God of Israel. That's the Egyptian pharaohs. Well, we only have to turn a few pages back to see that even an Egyptian pharaoh Pharaoh can become a believer and a worshiper of the God of Israel. We can't help but set up a comparison of the 
one Pharaoh who stood before Joseph or Joseph's day and the other Pharaoh that we're reading about here in Exodus 1. And just to make the comparison clear and just to make the contrast sharp, turn with me to Genesis chapter 41, verses 38 through 45. And let's immerse ourselves once again into that scene so that we can see clearly another Egyptian Pharaoh. Here's what it reads. And Pharaoh said unto his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? He was talking about Joseph. This Pharaoh was standing before Joseph, and he turned to his servants like he was turning to his Egyptian people. And the word spread as he said this to his servants, as if he had done a telecast over the whole land of Egypt, the most powerful country in the world at that time. And his statement that resounded throughout that palace and throughout the whole land of Egypt was this, can we find such a one as this is, a man in whom the Spirit of God is. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Forasmuch as God has showed thee all this, there's none so discreet and wise as thou art. Thou shalt be over my house, and according unto thy word shall all my people be ruled. Only in the throne will I be greater than thou. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, See, I have set thee over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chariot which he had. And they cried before him, Bow the knee! And he made him ruler over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without thee shall no man lift up his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath-Paneah, and he gave him to wife Azanath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt. We saw in our last study how when Joseph went out over all the land of Egypt, he was not only about his, his, his Pharaoh's business, but he was about his father's business and gaining many, many souls for the kingdom of God. He was building the church of Jehovah Jesus as he went throughout the whole land. But we're building a contrast here. We are building a comparison here. We are building for us a comparison between darkness, the darkness of this Pharaoh in Exodus 1, and light, the light of the other Pharaoh in Exodus 43. Now that was a great Pharaoh that stood before Joseph. If it had not been for that Pharaoh, Egypt would have not, would not have been saved from the famine's destruction. And many Egyptians, many Egyptians would not have been saved from hell's eternal destruction. All because of that one great Pharaoh. That Pharaoh In Exodus 41, that Pharaoh was so great because he had a dream. 
And not just any dream, but he knew that dream was from God. Not the gods that he knew, but the God of the universe. He knew he had a dream from the God of the universe. And he recognized that that dream was absolutely vital, important for him to find the meaning of it. And that's so in contrast with the Pharaoh of darkness, the Pharaoh of Exodus 1, who started out in a willful unbelief. And the one also, as we're looking at this Pharaoh, who stood before Moses. And that Pharaoh in Exodus 5, 2 said, and Pharaoh said, who is the Lord? that I should obey his voice to let Israel go. I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. The Pharaoh before Joseph just had a dream, and he bowed his knee to the God who gave him that dream, the only true God. But the Pharaoh before Moses, he had much more than a dream. He had plagues that destroyed his whole land, destroyed his people, And yet he still persisted in his stubborn stand of, who is the Lord? I know not the Lord. And that word, it's very true. Who is the Lord? I willfully know not the Lord. Because he could have. But the Pharaoh of light, the Pharaoh that Joseph was before, recognized that the same God who gave him the dream, his all-important vital dream, was inside of Joseph in the person of his spirit. The Jehovah Jesus gave him the dream, was inside Joseph in the person of the spirit of the Jehovah Jesus. And that Pharaoh, great man, led his people, his Egyptian people, He led his people to worship the God of Joseph. He led his people to honor the person, Joseph, who was filled with the spirit of Jehovah Jesus. And when he announced to Egypt that great announcement that he had found this man, but more importantly, he had found the God of this man, and he said, Can we find such a one? And in essence, he was saying to the Egyptian people, we should all be looking. We should all be seeking to find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is. And it's so wonderful the way he put it, because this was a man who cared about his people. Most leaders care only about themselves. It's all about I and me. But this man was great, this Pharaoh, because he said, we, can we find such a man as this? This was a man who had a heart for his people. He loved his people. He loved his Egyptian people. He was leading his Egyptian people to recognize, oh, my people, he could have said, please recognize that the greatest need that I have, the greatest need that you have, the greatest need that we have is for God, the true God. Not an idol like the ones that are filling our land today that have polluted our land. This Pharaoh led his Egyptian people to see they needed the one true God. And the Pharaoh before Joseph, he led the people of Egypt to the God of Joseph when he said to his people, I have set Joseph over the land of Egypt. 
He knew, he knew that Joseph was a man who deflected all the credit for himself off to God. That every time he he would speak, he would say, God will give Pharaoh the interpretation. God will show Pharaoh. This was a God-honoring man, Joseph was. And Pharaoh knew that this was the kind of man and this was the kind of talk that was coming from the man that he chose to set over the land of Egypt, his land of Egypt. That was the greatest Pharaoh. That took courage, but that was the greatest Pharaoh that Egypt ever had because that Pharaoh brought his Egyptian people to the God of Israel. Now later, when Joseph brought his family into Egypt, that Pharaoh was so happy He was so happy. He was so happy when he heard that the family of Joseph had come into his land, Egypt. Why was he happy? Because he realized he has an opportunity, a golden opportunity to do what? To do good to the family of Joseph, to do good to the Jewish people. And he saw that and he said that. In Genesis 45, 16, it reads like this. And the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house. That was the fame that Joseph's family had come into Egypt. So that's what the fame they're talking about. The fame thereof was heard in Joseph's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come. And then the verse reads, And it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. It pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. What a contrast with the Pharaoh of darkness. This Pharaoh, when the family comes, it says it pleased him well and also pleased his servants. When the Pharaoh in Joseph's day heard that he had an opportunity to do good to Joseph's family because they were coming to his country, the country of Egypt, it says with that opportunity, the Pharaoh of light seizes that opportunity and it says it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. When it says that it pleased Pharaoh's servants also, it shows that this Pharaoh of light had led his people, the Egyptian people, to love Joseph's people, to love the Jewish people. How different. How, what a contrast with the Pharaoh that we're reading about here in Exodus 1. Because by sharp contrast, we see this Pharaoh leading his Egyptian people, teaching his Egyptian people to hate the people of Joseph, to hate the Jewish people. That's what we see. Now, this Pharaoh in Joseph's day, wise a wise Pharaoh. This Pharaoh in Exodus 1, unwise, a foolish Pharaoh. How different, how different they both are. I'm afraid that today is a day when the minority will choose to be like the Pharaoh of light in Joseph's day. And the majority today will choose to be like the Pharaoh of darkness in Exodus 1, who chose to hate the Jewish people. 
It's just so interesting that the day in which we live, it's like these things that we're reading about in Genesis and Exodus have been lifted right off the pages of an old manuscript and set to be the, the script for a stage of players who are acting before us. Thank you for joining us today. Now, maybe you've been listening for a while and have heard us talk about trying to reach lost Jewish people here in America. Well, do you have a neighbor, a lawyer, a doctor, a businessman, a friend, or someone you know that's Jewish, maybe even a family member that you'd like to reach? So today we'd like you to call us at 1-800-247-3051, and we can help you to reach these lost Jewish people or even a lost family member that you might have. 1-800-247-3051. We've got lots of resources, including Tom Cantor's Testimony DVD, as well as booklets and other resources that will help you to reach lost Jewish people or even people that you know. Call us today at 1-800-247-3051. Or you can go to our websites, friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org to learn more about Tom Cantor, Israel Restoration Ministries, or the Friendship with God radio program. You can also find Israel Restoration Ministries and Tom Cantor on Facebook, and there you can receive a daily devotional by being a friend of Tom Cantor. So find us on Facebook and receive a daily verse devotional from Tom Cantor. You can also contact Tom Cantor by email. Email him at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also contact Tom Cantor by phone at 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.